HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Today's show is brought to you by Hearst Ranch Grass-Fed Beef, available on the internet at HearstRanch.com. Boys, I'm mellow as a honeydew, yeah, that cat is high. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. It is a beautiful day here in Brooklyn, New York. Spring is sprung. And on that, we are going to be talking about some spring cocktails with a couple of bartenders from Beto in Brooklyn, New York, part of the Eno Group. We've got Matt Carr. Hey, how are you? How's it going? We have <laughs> Tom O'Neill. Hi. And we're also joined by a special guest, Johnny Gaffney from Canon Vodka. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. Absolutely. Um, so, to get started, I'd kind of like to talk about this real quick. Um, being a restaurant bartender myself, and you know, being a cocktail bartender in a restaurant, there are a lot of... Uh, a lot of obstacles and also like really really helpful uh parts of like having a kitchen next to you that that can really make uh a cocktail menu for a restaurant interesting i mean obviously you're pairing uh drinks with food but you're making your cocktails specific for a certain style because you want them to stand alone but you also want them to work well with the yeah fare. definitely you have yeah. fun things at your disposal like uh, sparkling wines, uh, cherries, vermouth. Yeah, I mean, and all the ingredients from the kitchen. You know, we have uh, a wonderful, like, maple syrup that we get to use for drinks. Uh, we get a lot of our eggs from an Amish guy. Sure, right? yeah. Amish country. So it's like, you know, yeah. we get uh, a lot of perks from the kitchen, a lot of the fresh produce and the market produce and all that stuff, yeah. And Matt was making a, mar- or a martini, a, a Bloody Mary for a while with the... Uh, Meatball stock that we were making in the oh, kitchen. So yeah, try you know trying it out. Uh, yeah, brisket, pork belly, meat stock for uh, almost like a bull shot. Yeah, yeah it was exactly. Yeah, that was the idea behind it. A Very full good. breakfast meal until uh, the vegetarians yeah. piped up. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. That's a that's a nice thing to bring up there because uh, I had a bartender at one point that was vegan. He'd been vegan his entire life, and. When he came to work for me, he asked, you know, what do you guys use for your Worcestershire sauce in your Bloody Mary? Or do you use Worcestershire? Mm. 
of course, he has anchovies in. So, yeah. like, you've got, as a bartender, especially for brunch, when people are like, you know, just because I'm a vegan doesn't mean I can't drink my face off and yeah. then right. eat a hangover <laughs> here in the morning. Yeah. There are certain things like that that you have to look out for, but I'm on the other side of it. If you put, like, a steak in my Bloody Mary, I'm Devour. I'm coming back. Why not? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It was good. Couldn't, Couldn't get it through a little the beef straw. stock yeah. in, a, in, a, yeah. in a breakfast drink is always good. No straw necessary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, noticing some of the some of the things that you guys have on your menu, uh, both the food menu, but especially the cocktail menu, uh, going back to the the culinary side of it, I mean, it does seem to have some kind of West Coast influence to it, meaning hmm. that you know there's a little bit more like herbs and like specialty syrups and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, we make all of our syrups, uh, you know, they're all homemade using fresh ingredients from the kitchen, you know, fruits that we can get, that kind of stuff. We make our grenadines. Um, um, yeah, we've got our own recipe for all of our own syrups and everything. And uh, uh, Jason Denton, who owns uh, Beto, uh, has definitely got like an Italian kind of influence um, to his restaurant, so we have a lot of like amaro and grappa at our disposal to use as well. And so, you know, we have our house made syrups. We use a lot of uh, amaros in our cocktails and everything too. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things in the world to do. Yeah, it's to nice. use in a cocktail. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we're the only well that has uh, grappa in it. Well, maybe not. I, I, have, yeah, maybe not. Grappa, but you know, do we you? do. We yeah. use we use a poly uh, honey lemon grappa right, guess, liqueur. Yeah, it's a liqueur for, yeah, for right. some of our cocktails. Right. Yeah, but um, yeah, you know, the amaro is basically uh, Italian for bitter, so it's just another way to add the bitter element to the cocktail to try to find a nice balance and have an excellent drink absolutely. by itself or with a meal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there is a uh, kind of a common misconception uh, from a lot of customers that they think that anything bitter or in like, especially in, 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 talking about like, you know, even Campari and Aperol is like the red bitters and like Fernet Branca is like the dark bitters. I mean, like they they seem to find their way onto a lot of like fall and winter cocktail lists. Yeah. But damn, they are very refreshing in the summer as well. <laughs> I mean, we just had a, uh, Maria Santa uh, the, the Santa Maria yeah. Uh, Amaro, yeah. And I mean, I feel like a lot of people um, when they hear Amaro right now, I mean, Fernet Branca definitely comes to mind, and that definitely has like a lot of kind of winter spice and the mintiness to it. But there's so many uh, Amaros that are like light, refreshing, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, Montenegro, Montenegro, yeah. no Nino. Oh. No yeah. Nino. Uh, Herborista is really nice. Campari in the that. Negroni. Sure. Classic, uh, Campari summer soda doctor. is quintessential summer spring. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Apple so, spritz. Get in there. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, might as well. I, right? <laughs> I want to put that on tap. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could. That would be pretty good, actually. Pretty, yeah. Pretty badass. Interesting. Um, so, with that in mind, some of the things that you guys have going on uh, on your menu right now... Uh, well, the namesake cocktail uh, on this new menu, the uh, the Beto's Cup. I mean, it's got Nardini Amaro, it's got bison grass vodka, ginger beer, and you know any assortment of fresh fruits to garnish it. You know, yeah. the things. It's you know, it's a play on a Pim's cup, and yeah. and basically, we don't have any Pims, mm-hmm. so <laughs> it, and, but Nardini. we have like all this Amaro and and. 
I mean, I'd always kind of wondered, like, how to make your own pims or that kind of stuff or, like, what you would do. And I was like, why not just take, um, you know, just experimenting, like, a little vodka and uh, a nice Amaro and, uh, you know, shake that with some fruit, extract the juice, you know, and we get all sorts of different kind of French fr- uh, fruits as, like, little after-dinner meals and mm-hmm. stuff, like grapes and berries to play with and everything. Mm-hmm. Sort of like put that in a drink, shake it up, and then top it off with uh, ginger beer and everything. You know, it's really light, refreshing. You still get that nice spice from the Amaro, but it's still, you know, a nice like springtime drink. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about the Pimps Cup for a little bit. Um, you know, classically there were there were six different uh, interpretations of Pimps. Yeah. The one that we see here in the states is Pimps Number One, which mm-hmm. is a gin base, and then there was a vodka base, there was a whiskey base, a scotch base. Um, Pimps number three, which is also called Winter Pimps, uh, it's only available in the it's only available in Europe, but it's yeah. brandy based. Um, and then you've got the the Pimps Cup, you've got the Pimps Royale, which is topped with champagne. Yeah, you've got instead of the Pimps, ginger ale or the seven. Yeah, yeah, Pimps Rangoon, which is topped with ginger beer. Um, there's a lot you can do with it, especially. Yeah, it's very it's a very versatile style of drink. You absolutely, know? Yeah. and and what's cool about it is like really essentially when you break down pims, you've got spirit, some sort of orange liqueur, typically some like a yeah. dry like a triple sec, and then you have either uh, a very aromatized vermouth or an amaro. You can make it on your own, like you, yeah, like exactly what you guys are doing. You can you can tweak it to whatever you want for your specific bar. Yeah. And I think it's cool that you guys use the bison grass vodka with a Nardini Amaro. Uh, I'd hate to see the liquor cost on that, but <laughs> <laughs> our yeah. boss also makes a, a house made Amaro. We were doing that for a while. Oh, cool. oh yeah. yeah, well, yeah, we had one for the winter. Um, we've got a few bottles left of that, and we're working on one for uh, springtime, summertime, a little, little more lighter style. Right. Um, yeah, we did one at Beto, and then they have another restaurant, Corsino, over in the West Village, right. and they were working on the uh, lighter style. I went so there two nights ago. Over there. Yeah. I had a great time. We used to... They're we, doing that's like an where unfiltered uh, kind of apricot-y uh, bitter. It's really nice. Oh, cool. Reminiscent of uh, Del Herbarista. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's really good. And then ours was much darker, green walnut-based, really... Uh, yeah. We had to kind of water it down with molasses and lemon for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. strong. Strong stuff, but... Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can at least work Perfect backwards. for after dinner. It's like, after you've had, like, you know, a whole pig or whatever, and you want to slosh down a little Amaro. It's yeah, good. totally. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the cool thing about those those homemade Amari and liqueurs. is like you can always... You start strong, and then you pull back on it. Yeah. Right. It's like <laughs> when you're recording a song. It's like you don't want to put too much bass in the original recording because you can yeah. always add some bass later, but if it's too bassy, you can't take it out. Right, yeah, right. So it's kind of like that, I guess. Start yeah. making cocktails. <laughs> it's, yeah. you know, it's an experiment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Figured it out. <laughs> oh, and that's the great thing about, especially uh, having, like we said before, you know, having the kitchen right there with you in a restaurant bar is that you can, you have the option of always experimenting on the fly, yeah. too. I mean, like, a lot of times, like, cocktail bars will have something, some specific syrup that they've got to make a ton of or, like, make it every week. And, and it's so much. I, I mean, like, they're... I feel like syrups, like homemade syrups and homemade liqueurs, they are a really good way to keep your bar flow going. Hmm. Um, but, I, you know, at the same yeah, time, I it's mean, like sometimes a, a, a syrup's really good, and sometimes, you know, fresh fruit or fresh herbs, like, muddled into a drink. Yeah. Uh, just depends. Um, 
We never really uh, put a cocktail on the list unless it's approved by the chef and the sous, to be honest. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's nice. Um, we're both pretty young bartenders. Very, you know, very st- new. Still always learning, you know. And, you know, every once in a while you make a drink that people, you know, you've got a great idea. But it works good on paper and maybe it doesn't turn out so well. But it's great because you always have someone collaborate with yeah to give you feedback on the balance you know what's too bitter is there too much acid like what can make this drink better yeah so uh yeah if it doesn't work the first time we've got great uh professors quote unquote yeah, to help yeah. us uh, go back to the drawing board well one thing about your cocktail menu now that i've noticed is that a lot of like you said you guys are pretty young at it but a lot of young bartenders tend to take a kind of a, a base idea of a cocktail, but to achieve the flavor profile that they want, they keep adding more and more stuff to it. Mm-hmm. And with yeah. your menu, <laughs> like you've got the right idea here because you're you're not overdoing it with any amount of ingredients. Right. Think Using what makes sense in the cocktail. You know? Yeah. And um, not going too crazy, not throwing the kitchen sink in. With <laughs> right, it's really I mean, hard uh, to shake a kitchen sink. In it. it is. It's yeah. it's near impossible. Um, Matt likes to get a little. I funky do. I and mean, yeah. I, I try uh, to bring him down to earth. When though. I when I started bartending, I got really interested in all those old classic recipes and all the old books and uh, Jerry Thomas and uh, I, I've I bought uh, William Schmidt's The Flowing Bowl book. It's my it's one of my favorite books, and it's it's an amazing book. And you look at his recipes, though, and there are a lot of ingredients. They're very subtle, you know, dashes here and there. But, um, yeah, it's always interesting finding out what's too much and, like, you know, what's just right. And really, like, how many ingredients do you need to make a nice cocktail? And that's the ongoing fad, and I appreciate that, you know. And I'm, But I'm coming from uh, kind of a, a place where I've been in restaurants my whole life, you know. Summer jobs up until moving to the city and... yeah. And we're both actors too. Sure, so, you know, yeah. But like I mean, the, the my whole philosophy <laughs> yeah. on making a drink is making it, you know, relatively quickly, but delicious, and making sure that it always is going to taste the same, you know. And so, you know, I, I leave the mixology to Matt, and then you know, kind of me to execute the practice. Because you ask about working in restaurants, and really, you have to you know entertain eight seats whatever six seats you have in front of you but also and whether those people are eating or just drinking and then the rest of the restaurant is drinking and that goes through you so i mean you got to make it fast you got to make it work and it's got to be reasonable i don't know yeah you got a lot of plates to juggle yeah working in a restaurant it's like i was uh it's like i was last week uh, i had michael neff from word three and rum house on and we talked a lot about customer service and i always say that as a bartender you play every role in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. You yeah. play, first of all, the bartender, chef, uh, host, bouncer at sometimes. <laughs> yeah, Money. unfortunately, uh, waiter, busser, manager. You know, you do everything. So, like, especially when you have a bar, a restaurant bar, you're really doing all those roles. You're really performing in every aspect of yeah. the restaurant, and you're also trying to make drinks for people <laughs> and <Yeah>. good drinks. <laughs> exactly. So it can be difficult at times. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a hard, it's not the easiest of jobs, but it is a lot of fun it and is pretty rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we are going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll be talking with Tom O'Neill, Matt Carr, and 
a friend of theirs, Johnny Gaffney from Cannon Vodka, and we're going to talk about up, some of John? the vodka cocktails that you guys have been collaborating on lately, right yeah. Yeah. after this song. Ranch grass fed beef, pasture raised on 150,000 acres in Central California. Hearst Ranch grass fed beef, free range, sustainably produced, humane. Hearst Ranch grass fed beef, the authentic flavor of the American West. And we are back. You're listening to The Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. In the studio, we have bartenders Matt Carr and Tom O'Neill from Beto in lovely Brooklyn, New York. Joined by one of their buddies, Johnny Gaffney, representative Cannon Vodka. Welcome back to the show. (laughs) Johnny, tell us about (laughs) Cannon and how you guys met. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Uh, John, um, it's a pleasure. Pleasures all on this side of the microphone saying, guys. Well, I met Tom playing YMCA basketball in 1997. Uh, <laughs> That's the long story. Um, Apparently but he punched me in the face, but I don't buy it. It's disputed whether or not I punched you in the face. Uh, but either way, a mutual friend introduced us. Um, we acted on a film together a couple years ago. And then once I started working for the vodka company, Canon, um, I knew Tom was a bartender. And so I approached him. And being that vodka is not cool and a lot of vodkas are characterless and odorless you know he has had said you know it's i don't know about vodka i don't know about this vodka you're repping um but we we remained friends and i tasted him on it repeatedly and he actually liked it um so i do don't i don't like vodka generally but this is actually pretty good thank you yeah. <laughs> that means the world to me um so it's canon vodka it's organic uh but only because it's made from organic wheat with no pesticides or fertilizers added. So it's kind of organic by default. It's like the way I like to, to talk about it. Um, what gives it a unique uh, taste is the fact that it's distilled only once. So in the distillation process, we're separating all of the different types of alcohols uh, based on temperature in a single still and then pulling just the ethanol, which is the cleanest of the run. Um, it's the heart, the filet of the distillate. It's what you want. Um, it's We're removing all the starchy, sugary alcohols, stuff like methanol, isopropanol, 
there are about seven other nulls um, that <laughs> are going to take away uh, the root flavor. So we take just the ethanol and then add our own well water and bottle it. Um, so no charcoal filtration, um, nothing. Just very, and the result of that is it's very clean, very smooth. Uh, you know, wheat by nature is sweet, so you're getting a lot of sweetness um, with very little burn. Wheat sweet, rye dry. There you That's go. Sounds good. Yeah. I like yeah. that. It's I from actually, Sweden too, right? It's from Sweden, yep. Ah, sweet. It's been around since 1580. 1580, it was a Canon foundry that also produced vodka, just for shits and giggles. Because um, it's then, really a lot of fun to drink vodka and shoot cannons. Hell yes. It works, they work pretty well together. <laughs> yeah. um, Firearms and alcohol. And they right? sold cannons to both sides of the Civil War. So, nonpartisan. Great. Um, but yeah, the, the, the distillery side of it um, started in 1580. And then once Sweden repealed government control of all alcohol production in the late 90s, it was reformulated, and that's why I'm here now. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah, well, that's not only why you're here. Um, when I was talking with these two chaps about coming on the show, they mentioned, hey, our buddy Johnny reps this great brand, Canon, and we've actually been doing some collaborative work with him on cocktails. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting because... I feel like, you know, there was like kind of a backlash on vodka in cocktails, especially with the cocktail bar boom coming up over the last, you know, five, ten years. And I feel like in the last year, there's been kind of a backlash on the backlash Hmm. of vodka and cocktails. Because especially of brands like this that, you know, most vodkas distill like five, six, a thousand times to make it not taste like anything. When they told me, because I wasn't actually very familiar with Canon Vodka before, um... But the, when they told me it was distilled once, I was like, well, that's awesome. And it's made yeah. from wheat. I grew up in wheat fields, so <laughs> I, I love wheat. Um, but they were telling me about their, their cocktail program and about how they are using vodka in cocktails. And especially in, in Williamsburg and Brooklyn, it's kind of like a hard place to do that. you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because it's not a the biggest people... vodka market. Um, but... Uh... I mean, at our restaurant, we do get call for martinis and everything, yeah, and yeah. people want to drink vodka martinis, and uh, right now, our go-to is uh, is Canon. Yeah, I mean, I, vodka is... People assume vodka with characterless, odorless, tasteless, and their first hard alcohol experience when they were 19, and they puked all over themselves. You know, that's <laughs> kind of the stigma that vodka has, and that's understandable. And, you know, I don't like to disparage other vodka companies. There are there are some other good vodkas out there, but a lot of vodkas are to be concealed, to be drowned in cranberry juice, and to get drunk with. Right. And that's fine. Um, what's nice about working with Canon is that every day I walk into a cocktail bar in Williamsburg or Bushwick or Fort Greene, um, and I get the cocktail bartender saying, listen, it's vodka. So no matter what you're saying, it's still going to be vodka to me. Vodka is vodka is vodka is what I get all the time and whether or not they buy canon i always surprise you know said bartender with wow there's actually something there um so yeah it's, it's nice you're actually getting some real notes um of the wheat uh and you know a lot of people have been get, saying um it's reminiscent of sake um just because of the fact that a lot of people are getting different notes yeah. i hear sake i hear shiitake mushrooms just because of the fact that Depending on how the wind's blowing, um, the fact that we don't add pesticides, we're not killing flavor. So it's kind of ha- has a life of its own, which is which is nice. Definitely has kind of like a shochu kind of nose on it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
Just back to the, the backlash of the backlash. It's like, uh, I feel like five years ago, people were always ordering Belvedere or Grey Goose, you know? Mm-hmm. And then recently, people have been coming to the bar asking for, like, more small batch, I guess. Like Tito's. Sure, yeah. right. And, uh, you know, I, I've been turning them on to alternatives, either this bison grass infused the zoo, or uh, we, we have a purveyor, what's his name, Lou Cheney from Connecticut, who does... Yeah, um, he does rhyme uh, vodka up corn, in Connecticut from right. his farm. Real sweet, a lot like farm. this, and, and this is the other alternative. And every time I give it, they're very interested, they want to know more about it, and uh, I feel like we're educating about... You know, There's on also that backlash. Boyd and Blair, Boyd and Blair from oh, the Boyd and Blair. Yeah, it's, good for it's good for dirties. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This this stuff is really good. Just in with soda or tonic, I really like it. Yeah. I'm not a vodka guy, like I said, but but, this but you bad. like this one? I do. Yeah, it's good. I definitely get this uh, shiitake mushrooms. That's yeah. cool. Um, well, you guys have actually been. Uh, we you know we have uh, coming up this weekend Easter Sunday. Yeah. So you guys uh, kind of doing a little tongue-in-cheek play? Yeah, we've got a... <laughs> you're going to be some, uh, some taking, taking inspiration from uh, the only William, the William Schmidt, hopefully. Uh, uh, he has a drink in his book, The Flowing Bowl, called uh, the Easter Crocus, uh, which we're kind of playing with uh, at Beto this weekend for brunch, uh, Saturday and Sunday. Um, and it's basically uh, a gin fizz... Um, well, gin vodka. Gin yeah, yeah, yeah. We're cutting. We're doing uh, uh, Brad Estabrook's uh, Brooklyn Gin uh, from Gowanus. We're doing uh, a little bit of that, a little bit of the Canon vodka together. A whole egg for the whole Easter thing. <laughs> gotta get, gotta have the eggs. Yeah. Um, and lemon then uh, lemon juice, uh, a little syrup. bit of orange juice, some maraschino, some simple syrup, Bianco. Martini vermouth. Bianco Martini. It calls for uh, creme de vanille, which we don't have. So right. we're using a little Bianco vermouth and just a drop of um, extract. vanilla extract, yeah. And then, uh, you know, yeah, shake the hell out of that boy. Dry Top shake. it with a dry, dry, dry shake it first, as always. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, Got emulsified. Yeah. Straighten it in a nice fizz glass. Top it with a little ginger ale. Uh, top it off with some bitters and. It's really smooth, really delicious, and uh, for brunch, if you've been out the night before, you know, it's like a Ramos, like a Ramos Gin, gin Fizz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna, like, Great hangover cure. Yeah, it's going to pick you right back up. You won't even taste the booze, and you'll feel great for the rest of the day. Yeah, I don't know. It has a beginning, and it has an end, but it doesn't really have a follow-through. Tom's, <laughs> Tom's, a, Tom's a hater on the egg drinks. <laughs> I don't really like them, but hey, you know. Maybe like a whiskey sour with an egg white would be cool. Yeah. Of course, uh, all sorts time, of tastes. And, yeah, I take back what I said earlier about uh, your cocktail menu not throwing in a billion ingredients. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was I was trying to count yeah. on my fingers and I lost yeah, count. Yeah, no, we, sure. we we get a little. Hey, but it's a elaborate. special day. It's yeah, Easter. Right. yeah, no, you yeah. use those for Easter. Shows for I color, think, I think you, know? you gotta yeah, you gotta bust it out for the for sure. Yeah, you, for, you can uh, scrap Christ. the ginger ale and the maraschino <laughs> and the vanilla extract, the Canon and the the Brooklyn really. Do a number on each other, and well, another thing. But we're going to get fancy on you at Beto this weekend. You know, yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> another thing about like uh, that that I've always noticed with egg drinks, they tend to ra- like round off harsh corners of like say any kind of like bitters or uh, overproofed uh, spirits. Yeah. But also they take um, clear spirits like like gin and 
especially vodka, where you don't normally pick up on the subtle nuances, even though you'll have a lot of other ingredients in the drink, I always feel like personally, whenever I have any kind of uh, fizz or sour that has vodka in it, especially something light like that, I start to pick up the flavors more. Yeah. Because maybe it's the citrus, maybe it's the the way that the the egg white or egg it's yolk, generally it I, yeah, it's definitely it. like very it opens kind of it frothy and you know yeah you've got a lot of air in there and it's yeah, like yeah, kind yeah. of like letting the the aromatics of the spirit come out yeah mm-hmm. the brooklyn the brooklyn gin is not it, it's not a true tom gin or a geneva but it's definitely a nice like aromatic and then you've got the nice kind of like vanilla and wheat coming from the vodka I think it's going to be nice on uh, Easter morning. I wouldn't ha- mind having one myself. You could do like a, a Tom and Jerry punch too. If, you wanted, <laughs> if it was a, a colder it's, Easter. Yeah, I was going to say it's, it's past that that moment. Right, yeah. yeah, but you know, some Easter's are cruel. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think it was T. S. Eliot who said that. Yes, uh, he did uh, say that. Yeah. April, <laughs> April is the yeah, coolest good. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> although th- those call for like two pounds of sugar and right, twelve well, eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Like make a thick batter. I would have that at Christmas time, personally. Hey man, I, I I love a good Tom and Jerry. We got to figure out a, a cold version. We'll make a Tom and Jerry milkshake. There you go with can of vodka not and bad, old Tom. Yeah. It'd be yeah. cool to do uh, <laughs> maybe an Amaro egg drink. I don't know. Absolutely. Well, that's what I was saying. Go back to the rounding off harsh uh, edges of yeah. spirits. Like I've definitely done a lot of egg white drinks with like Fernet Branca in it, yeah, or Underberg bitters, and it totally like softens wow. the blow. That'd be amazing, but it like it's go back to that. It's like it's weird how it'll soften the blow of a lot of bigger spirits, but it'll intensify the softer ones. Sure, yeah. it's cool and like well, that's There's great. A lot of magic. It's in an, the egg. It's know? an Easter miracle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You could do the fernet menth too with the egg. That would be you, you know what? Really get, get, get all the uh... all right. You guys keep talking about fernet. <laughs> We're gonna have to wrap the show. Well, I can't thank you much, uh, enough for uh, coming on the show. Yeah, Johnny pleasure. Gaffney of Cannon Vodka. That's CannonVodka.com. Thank you. Tom O'Neill and Matt Carr from Beto. That's BetoNYC.com. Check them out. Thank Go have much. an awesome egg drink on Easter Sunday with them. Hell yeah. are on North 8th in <laughs> Williamsburg. And yeah, between Bedford and Barry. Absolutely. Cool. And you have to come back sometime so we can uh, continue this conversation. Definitely. But right now, we're going to go get it for now. All right. <laughs> Until next week, this is The Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. Now Cheers. When you see him stumbling up and down the street. You know that cat's been drinking. Got no shoes upon his feet. Man, he. Thanks for listening to this program on You can find all of our archived programs on HeritageRadioNetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.